This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 280 with Courtney Shorter. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes from our sponsors, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 280. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. This episode is brought to you by FabFitFun to save $10 off your subscription box and get over $200 worth of products for just $39.99. Go to FabFitFun.com and use the code SHAMELESS at checkout. Mamas, before we get started today, I have two very important announcements. So the first one, holy cow, we did it. This week, this show will hit 1 million lifetime downloads. And I'm so excited and so grateful because this is just a little podcast that started out as a passion project for me to just see if, I don't know, maybe I might like this. Let's just see what happens. Like it was literally just a little project for me to get my toes wet doing something different outside of running my gym a couple of years ago. And here we are about to hit 1 million downloads in the next couple of days. So I want you to celebrate with me over on Instagram. I'm going to be doing all sorts of things to celebrate this week. There's going to be giveaways. It's going to be super fun, really celebratory. And I want to make sure that you are a part of it. So if you like giveaways, if you like gifts, if you like free stuff, head on over to Instagram at the Shameless Mom Academy so that you can participate in the celebration with me. And also thank you. Thank you. Thank you. While sometimes I feel like I'm doing this alone because I'm sitting in my office alone recording, I am acutely aware that this success of this show has only happened because of your participation. You listen, you download, you write reviews, you subscribe to the show, you tell your friends about it, you post about it on Facebook, you share it on Instagram, you send emails and texts to girlfriends, you have people in your lives who are having a hard time and you say, hey, check out the Shameless Mom Academy. This has really helped me or this interview might really touch you or I thought of you when I listened to episode 232. I cannot thank you enough for what you have done to help me grow this show because it has definitely been a community-wide effort and I'm so, so grateful for your part in it. So thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. And secondly, quick little announcement that I am going to be sending out every Friday sending out shameless Friday emails. So I already send out emails on Fridays that are kind of just a wrap up of the week, but 
I'm making them a little more exciting because we need more fun in our inboxes, right? So here's what's happening. Every Friday, I will send out an email. It's always a little bit like behind the scenes, what's happening in my life. It's usually some sort of full disclosure about something like it generally makes for a good story. Like I'm usually getting kind of like down and dirty about something in my life. And on top of that, I'm also sharing cool resources with you. So sometimes it's product recommendations. Sometimes it's my new favorite podcast episode of someone else's show that I just listened to. Last week, I shared an amazing, amazing interview with Dax Shepard, who is Crosby Braverman from the show Parenthood. And he interviewed Brene Brown and it was pure gold. So that was one of my recommendations last week. So I want to make sure that you are getting these emails and that you are getting the shameless Friday updates so that you can have a little fun in your inbox at the end of the week. So here's what you're going to do to join that email list. If you don't already get emails from me, you are going to go to shamelessmom.com forward slash newsletter, and you will get on the email list for shameless Friday emails. So again, that's shamelessmom.com dot com forward slash newsletter. All right, let's dive into this episode. You ready? Courtney Shorter is the owner and event designer at Ryan Morgan Events and Soul Free Mamas, where she plans memorable events and retreats that bring people together. Courtney has always loved planning gatherings, parties, and yes, meetings. Fascinated by all the details in dressing up, dancing, the music, lights, the food, and the glamour. Much like a stylist helps her clients find the best garments to showcase the greatest version of who they are, Courtney helps her clients throw the best party or event to exhibit the very best of what they have to offer. Over the last few years, life has been a whirlwind of joy and pain, but Courtney's mission has been to always find the joy. She loves to bring fun and help families find their joy. Her company, named after her twin angel babies, Ryan and Morgan, is built on a bedrock of love, a passion for what's possible, and a commitment to be an unstoppable force for good. As a way to honor her babies, after many years of event planning and heartbreak, she recently extended her business to empower women who have experienced infant loss, miscarriages, and or women who are living with infertility. Courtney has created a powerful space for women who crave to be heard and supported along this lonely journey. I am honored to have Courtney here today to share her story. She's going to talk about her 10-year infertility journey and her rainbow baby, Hendrix, who's just a few months old. So there's a happy ending, but there is definitely some sadness, struggle, and some trauma along the way. And Courtney, so kindly, openly, honestly, and vulnerably is going to share that with us. So listen in to hear Courtney share how her 10-year infertility journey led her to finding a brain tumor the story of the birth and the loss of her one pound twin baby girls, how finding regular joy saved her from her grief and why she created her own grief group to connect women of color experiencing trauma and grief. So with all that said, let's go ahead and dive in with Courtney Shorter. Courtney Shorter, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for the invite. Yes. And I have to tell you, and I have to let our listeners know that the way this interview came to be is that Courtney and I are in a business coaching group together. And when Courtney joined the group a month or so ago, she just did a little intro blurb of herself and a little bit about her story. And I immediately was like, oh my gosh, you have to come on my podcast. (laughs) I'm so excited to be here. I know. And I'm so excited that we got to make this happen. And I really appreciate you coming on. We're going to be talking about grief and sad things. So I appreciate you coming on to be vulnerable about that. And I'm also really excited about your perspective around that because it's not going to be all heartache and heaviness. I, I think. No, not at all. Yay. Okay. <laughs> so, a little bit of heartache. That's okay. But we're also going to find the like, silver linings and some of the happier things. The joy things. is what I like to call it. The joy. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. So go ahead and tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. So what I'm most excited about is my little bundle of joy that I just had, which I call my rainbow baby. His name is Hendrix and he's about three months. So that's what I'm most excited about right now. You know, I know a lot of people will say something about work or family and stuff like that. I'm most excited about my kid because I've waited almost 15 years for him. So oh my gosh, he brings me a lot of joy and I'm just so happy to have him. And each day is something different and something new. And beyond that, you know, I have a business that I run, an event planning business, where one of the things I enjoy is actually making people feel good. And so event planning allows me to do that. I started out working with another firm, planning weddings for about six, almost seven years. 
and then lost a set of twin girls and decided at that point that I needed to break away from the person that I was working with, who she was amazing, but I knew that I wanted to do this on my own. And so I left her company, started my own company, named it after my twin girls. I mean, that's just kind of where I've been ever since. It's been my happy place. I've planned some amazing events, had some great clients, and that's kind of where I am. I enjoy what I do. I love making people happy. I love bringing people together. I call myself a connector is what I, how I like define myself. Nice. And so people call me all the time. They're like, I need a person that does X, Y, Z. I'm like, I have the perfect person for you. Here they are. <laughs> I think we all have connectors in our lives that we love to lean yeah. on. You're like, everyone needs that friend who can be the resource for everything. I am that friend. Yes. Honestly and truly, I am that friend. So those are the things that make me happy. That's where I get my joy from right now these days. I love it. I did not yeah. realize that your company was named in honor of your girls. And that is so sweet. And what an amazing tribute and a heartfelt decision mm-hmm. on your part. Yeah. So let's talk about your journey into motherhood. Like you said, it's been about a 15 year journey. So tell us about that. Yeah. So it's been not easy. It's been one that's been very sad and challenging and hard and joyful all at the same time. My husband and I have been married for 14 years. And I guess about 10 years ago, maybe 11, something like that, you know, decided that, okay, we wanted to start a family. I mean, at the time, you know, we were in our early, early 30s, I guess, and just thought that it would be super easy, super simple. You know, you do the fun adult things that you do to make the baby. (laughs) And at that age, it doesn't even enter your mind that it won't work. No, it doesn't, right? So we are like, all right, let's do it. You know, we don't make a lot of money, but so what? Who cares? Let's just do it because everybody else does it. It's easy. Our friends at the time, you know, had multiple kids, right? And so days turned into weeks and weeks turned into months and months turned into years and there was still no baby and there was never a pregnancy, right? And at some point, you know, I decided, and I can't even speak for my husband because I realized we never actually talked about the decision. But at some point, I just decided to stop trying to give up and just forget about it and never sought any type of like medical assistance or intervention or help because there was so much shame around not being able to get pregnant And I remember just kind of like so many people saying, oh, when are you going to have a baby? When are you going to start your family? When are you going to do X, Y, Z? And my response was always something like, when it's time or, Mm. you know, when God allows us to be blessed or... (laughs) You were just kind of hiding that it wasn't working. Yeah, right? You know, like in my mind, you're thinking it's none of your business. Why are you asking? Stop asking me that. But you don't want to say that out loud for fear of hurting someone's feelings. Now, that shit doesn't matter. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) Okay. I totally agree though. Like I absolutely agree. And having been in your situation and my journey was not as long as yours, but yeah, like people don't understand how devastating those questions are and how yes. you like want to throat punch someone when they ask. Like the serious throat chop. Like, why are you even asking me that? Do you want me to rip your throat out? <laughs> like, or do you want me to sit here and cry in front of you for an hour while I tell you everything right. I'm doing to exactly. try to get because I'm pretty exactly. sure you actually don't want that. So don't ask me the question. So don't ask because you really don't want to know. And right. so, you know, again, after, you know, a few years of trying and nothing happened, like I said, not even a pregnancy, I just kind of mentally gave up and we just kind of never talked about it again until a few years ago, maybe at that point, maybe five years after, you know, we were like, okay, we're getting older. Let's have a baby. Like, let's make it happen. And at that point, we did seek medical help to figure out why at a minimum, like, why didn't I even get pregnant? Like, we've never used protection, and we've been married all this time. And so that's when they discovered that I actually have a brain tumor. Oh, my gosh. Um, and so this tumor acts like, it's not anything like cancerous, not anything that, you know, you could, well, in theory, you can't die from it, or it's not cancerous or anything like that, but it's called a pituitary adenoma. And what it does, it's like, it's this little thing that sits in the gland behind your eyes, and it essentially makes your body think you're already pregnant. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. 
On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. Oh my God. And so what happens is you secrete this hormone, it's called a prolactin level, that when you're pregnant, your prolactin level rises really high. And that's the thing that like helps a woman produce milk. Well, when you're just so high, your body already thinks you're pregnant. So you don't have a period, you don't ovulate you don't get pregnant. And that's what was happening to me. And so, you know, you get that news and you're like, oh shit. Okay. What do I do with this? (laughs) Like, how do I combat this situation that we have? How do we make it better? So we get on some medications, you know, the prolactin level goes down. We still don't get pregnant. All right. So finally we are like, okay, what do we do? So we go to you know, a fertility specialist and they run all these tests and they're like, you're old, your eggs are old. But it's still not impossible. (laughs) How old were you at that time? 36, 37, maybe? 35, 35, 36 is when we initially started the actual IVF, IUI treatments and things like that. Because I went through it at 40 and I remember going in and the doctors are like, they're showing me charts and they're basically like, you have like negative chances of having good eggs. Like exactly, it was, exactly. It was horrible. And they show you, they're horrible. like, you know, if you had done this when you were 32, it would have been a completely different story. And I'm like, that's not helpful information. Like, not at all. So hopeless about it. And it was so frustrating. So I was like, I only need one good egg. So the yes. fact that like maybe 70% of my eggs are bad at 40, like there's still 30% that might be, you know, They paint the bleakest picture of of your egg situation. And what I realized is that they paint that picture because they don't want to be on the hook for saying it's possible. And then you coming back being like, well, you told me I could have a baby, which is such crap, but that's what they do. And I get that now. But in the moment, I was just like, okay, you don't have to keep pointing out that I'm 36. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know, like I know how old I am. Like, let's just get it popping, make it happen. Like, how do we get a baby? Yeah. And so, you know, we did a couple of tries of like Clomid and just kind of like taking a pill and getting a shot and like nothing worked. Like my body didn't change. The hormone levels didn't change. Nothing changed. And the thing that a lot of people maybe not know going to trying to have a baby through a medical procedure, it's a lot of like emotional and physical work to get it done, right? Because you... So much. It's like so many appointments, so many shots, so much blood work, so many tests. And like at one point, I remember I went to a doctor's appointment every day for an entire week. And that means like every day of them like taking blood, me putting my legs in the stirrup for them to look, you know, to see what was going on. And that shit can be tiring and frustrating, especially when you're not getting the results. I mean, you know, the ultimate result, a baby, right? And so we did all the things and then we got to a point where the doctor was finally like, you need a more aggressive treatment plan. 
And that's where the money also comes in, right? Because all the stuff before then was covered by insurance because it was just pills. It was just medication. It was just like a test here and there. But the doctor finally said, like, you need, you know, a treatment, a more medical intervention, treatment, whatever. So we did, on our first try, we did what's called ovulation induction. And what that is, is you essentially are taking shots to the belly and it the shots force your body to ovulate, right? So that you can have a period. And then once you get to a certain point, the doctor calls and he's like, all right, your numbers look great. You need to have sex tonight. <laughs> it's very planned. It's very timed. It's very like to the hour. Like you need to have sex on Tuesday between 11 and whatever, whatever time, right? So I remember they, they called. It was like a Friday and they were like, you need to have sex tonight, you need to have sex tomorrow, and you need to have sex on Sunday. And that particular night, I was going to a birthday party for a girlfriend. And so I was like, well, I can't miss the birthday party, and we have to have sex. So we had sex before we went to the birthday party. <laughs> oh my gosh. I so relate to these things where you're like, <laughs> like life has to go on, but also like we need to find like a seven minute window to go do this really fast. <laughs> Absolutely, right? Absolutely. So we had the sex, we move on and then you wait I think for that sex for that I think it was a 14 day wait before you take a pregnancy test so I do the waiting when I can't wait any longer I take the at home one because I'm having these symptoms of like sore breast and like being really tired and nauseous and I'm just like this is it it's like there's a baby in here I feel it oh my gosh so I take the test it comes back positive and I'm like yes all right so Finally, yeah. So we're like, finally. So we go to the doctor, we do all the tests, and he confirms there's a pregnancy. And we're like, over the moon excited. We're so elated because at this point, we've been married 10 years by this point, never been pregnant, nothing has worked, several doctor's appointments, brain tumor, the loss of family members, just like a whole litany of stuff that could like make people lose it. So... From the initial point of being pregnant, there were issues, right? So there was spotting, there was some bleeding. And one night I had to go to the emergency room and the, the, the nurse goes, well, I see four embryos. And I was like, four? <laughs> like nobody wants four kids at one time. So because do the drugs like hyper-stimulate ovulation? So you Sometimes pop a bunch, they of, do. A bunch of it? Sometimes okay. they do. Okay. Because like um, I know for me, when I did the IVF drugs in anticipation of full IVF, like they were like, we want as many eggs as possible. Yeah. So, and that is the goal when you're doing IVF, but right. for ovulation induction, that's not the goal because okay. once you ovulate, you just have sex. So right. whatever eggs are there, the goal is to fertilize the eggs just through a natural, right. you know, night or whatever. So they actually don't want a lot of eggs for yeah. that particular procedure. So the nurse says she sees four embryos. And I'm like, that's not what we wanted. But hey, the more the merrier. We'll make it work. Like I'm already envisioning like the minivan and the four-piece stroller and all right. of that. So I go back to my reproductive endocrinologist is what he did. So I go back to the endocrinologist, tell him what they found in the emergency room. And he's like, I don't think all four would survive, but let's take a look. And so as it turns out, two of them never grew. So we just had the twins, the girls. And so, you know, we go along, we are having this pregnancy I think I spotted the entire pregnancy. Wow. Um, so were you but just nervous the whole time? Like I was, what was I was like just nervous, but still joyful. Like because the doctors were like, some women do spot, you know, yeah. through the entire pregnancy as long as it's not heavy. You know, all the things the doctor said that we did not want did not happen. You know, it was just like spotting here and there, cramps here and there, and then one day at twenty three weeks, I was in the bed on a conference call for work and all of a sudden I felt like I had to use the bathroom and when I got up to go to the bathroom I looked and I was bleeding oh no yeah like so much so that like I'd had on no this is too much but I'd had on like a, a panty liner because I wore them throughout the time of pregnancy because of the spotting right. that it was completely full wow so I changed it went back to call my husband went back to the bathroom. It was full again, like within like a minute. So by that point, you know, I'm calling my 
911. I call my best friend because I'm by myself. Yeah. All the things. Like I live in this like apartment at the time where there's like a gate and a door to get like you need a code and like oh, I have no. to buzz you in. <laughs> Perfect for an ambulance. Yeah. So like I have to buzz you in and all these things. So I'm just like, and I have a dog. He's running back and forth because I think the dog can tell like something's going on. Yeah. So he's running back and forth. I'm like, where are my shoes? Let me just go downstairs to the door so they don't have to try to get in. I barely make it down the steps because by this time I'm like, I have not stopped bleeding, right? And so finally get to the hospital. And just to kind of like, you know, wrap this story up, they could not stop the bleeding. What had happened was my placenta ruptured on one of the girls. And so once that happens, typically if your placenta ruptures, right? Sometimes it's a small rupture and they can like stop the bleeding and then they put you on bed rest and they save the babies and you just kind of go and say you can't go anymore. But my placenta was 90% ruptured, which meant that if they did not deliver my twins, they weren't going to survive, you know, in the belly. Mm -hmm. But added to that was I was still bleeding. So at this point, I've lost so much blood that the nurse and the doctor finally says to me, listen, if we don't take the babies now, all three of you will pass away. Like all three of you won't make oh it. Oh my gosh. I'm assuming your husband was there at this point? So my husband's there, my mom's there, my best okay. friend's there. Okay. But, you know, all the time that we're there, we're like, okay, just save the girls, just save the babies, just save my babies. And she finally said, like, I can't stop the bleeding. And if I don't deliver your twins right now, you won't survive either. Oh my gosh. And I was like, what? Like, how did we get here? Like, how did we get here to this space where you're telling me I'm not going to survive? Like, I'm about to pass away. You know, so they wheeled me in for the emergency C-section and the NICU nurse doctor comes in and she says, you know, you're only 23 weeks. There's only a small percent chance that babies this small survive. 24 weeks is the mark of viability like most kids don't survive if they're born before 24 weeks right but she's like we're going to do everything that we can to save them because you know they have strong heartbeats they're here you know there's nothing wrong with them it's you mm-hmm. and I'm like right. great that's good to hear <laughs> so you know they deliver them they're each at a pound they're considered micro preemies which is even smaller than a preemie mm-hmm. and so Obviously, we had named them, Brian and Morgan. Morgan survived for three days in the NICU. And on the day that she passed away, they called. Um, I was still in the hospital. They called and they said, we think you should come down. We don't think Morgan's going to make it through the night. Mm. And I said, what do you mean? Like, she was just fine. I was just in there. And so when we got down there to the NICU, they'd given her all the things. So there was like the... And I'm like drawing a blank on the terms right this second, but there were, you know, like the machines for her lungs, the things to help her breathe. Like, were they ventilators? Yeah, the ventilators, like all the things, the things that keep her warm, like everything that they were giving her were at the highest level possible, mm. which is actually not very safe for a preemie. But that was the only way they could keep her alive. And so, you know, my husband and I, we looked at each other, we looked at her, and imagine being like three days old, only a pound. And in three days, you've had more blood drawn, more x-rays, more sticks, more prods than probably most adults. Yeah. You know what I mean? In three days. And so she just looked very weak, very sad. Her skin was scarred from just so much medical stuff and sticks and tape and everything. And so we decided at the point, like, it's too much. It's time, right? So they did like manual breathing for her so they could unhook her from everything. They put her in my arms and she looked at me and within like a few seconds, she closed her eyes and she was gone. Oh my gosh. That was one of the hardest nights I've ever experienced in my life. And, sure. you know, I cried and I cried and I just cried and I begged. And so, you know, my husband and I, we stayed with Morgan for maybe an hour or so, maybe two hours, something like that. I gave my mom an opportunity to come say goodbye and we put in a little outfit and all the things right and so then we were like okay but Ryan is still here like we have to stay strong we got to like take care of her because she's still in the NICU she's still surviving she's still growing and then three weeks goes by and at exactly three weeks 
crying passes away. And kind of very similar. They called. We were at home. They called and they said, we think you should come to the NICU. Ryan's having some trouble and we're not sure she's going to make it. And so we get in the car. Like we literally only live like 10 minutes from the hospital. So we felt okay going home some nights for sleep. Mm-hmm. So we go back and we get there. And so at some point, Ryan is placed in this room because she develops a virus that she can't be with any of the other babies. So she's in like an isolated room by herself and the lights are always off. But this particular morning when we got there, all the lights were on. It was like chaos. There were like a quadrillion people in her room. There were beeps and noises and sounds and just people just like, and I remember walking in and I said, my baby's not going to make it. And they told us they'd already called Children's Hospital to have her medevac to the children's because she developed an infection. And I looked at her, they like incubated her. I forgot what the medicine they gave her. She just didn't even look. She was swollen. She didn't even look like a baby. And I came in, I grabbed her hand. She grabbed my finger. She looked at me, she closed her eyes and she was gone. She didn't survive long enough for, you know, to be medevac to children's. And, you know, it's a crazy feeling to like, go to the hospital with two children in your stomach and you take your final walk home with no children. Right. You know, and you go back to a home where you planned for 23 weeks now. The nursery, and like, we hadn't put anything in the nursery. We actually hadn't bought any furniture or anything like that. We had just started to like clean out the room. Mm -hmm. So the room was mostly empty that we were going to use for the nursery. But yeah, that was like, Still to this day, the hardest thing I've ever, ever, ever experienced in my whole entire life. And I know what it feels when people say they're experiencing heartbreak. Like I can recall just like my heart being so hurt and painful. There were moments where the bed was all I could do all day. And like, I think I ate ice cream every day (laughs) for like (laughs) breakfast and dinner. And so that was three years ago. And over the three years, you know, we've done some fundraising for children's hospital we mentored other families that have lost kids we started groups for women my husband has have talked to fathers because you know fathers get completely ignored yeah. in these situations yeah and it's been a journey you know and through the three years of just kind of feeling figuring this out so we lost them and we decided to like try again right away and I remember my doctor saying you need to wait a year and I was like I don't have a year I don't have that type of time what are you talking about do it now I would imagine take your money (laughs) there's definitely that piece of the infertility world don't get me started on the like the big business that is infertility yeah Um, but the sense of urgency that you must have felt I would imagine was overwhelming it was because um, again you know they're telling you you're already old yeah. Even, you know, you're 35, 36, 37. They're already telling you you're old. Your eggs are old. Pretty much ancient is what they make you feel like. <laughs> and so by this point, you know, we're 37 and my husband's 39. And I'm like, we got to go right away. So we did go right away. We got pregnant right away and we had a miscarriage. Oh my God. And I was just like, okay, one more time. And this time is going to be it. So a few months later, maybe six months later, we did it again. And this time at eight weeks, the baby was still only measuring four weeks. And so we had to do a um, DNC, which is like a forced miscarriage, basically. So even after losing the girl, we had two miscarriages. And so at that point, I just said, you know what? I need a break. Like It's so emotionally draining, this whole like infertility, IVF, miscarriage, losing. It's so emotionally, mentally, and physically taxing on your body and your mind that you kind of get disillusioned. Like some days I felt like superwoman and other days I felt like shit. Before we dive deeper with Courtney, let's talk about our sponsor today, FabFitFun. FabFitFun is a seasonal subscription box delivered four times a year with full-size fashion, beauty, home, fitness, and wellness products for just $49.99 a box. So if you love discovering new products or you're a fashion and beauty maven constantly on the hunt for the next best thing, FabFitFun is for you. FabFitFun is a great gift for yourself or for a loved one. So maybe you have a friend who you want to send a special gift to. Maybe they're a new mom. Maybe you know someone going to college or a college student. FabFitFun is an awesome care package for pretty much a woman of any age, I think. So I will tell you, 
I've been loving my fall box, all the goodies that came in it. And one of the things that came in the fall box was the Vince Camuto tote bag. And I've been carrying it all over and I like wear it around like a badge of honor. Like, hello, do you all see me? Do you see me with my fab fun tote bag? And I wait for people to ask me about it. And multiple people now have come up to me and been like, fab fit fun. I'm like, yeah, you know it. Where's yours? So I kind of feel like it's bragging rights when you wear or use your fab fit fun stuff out in public. It's kind of fun. It's like you're in a special little club. So here's the thing. FabFitFun is all full-size products, so it's not sample sizes of anything. Every box is worth at least $200, usually significantly more than that. And every box you can customize by choosing products or add-ons with every box. So, Or you can be totally surprised. Like I get surprised with all my boxes and it's always a ton of fun stuff. So what you're going to do to get started with FabFitFun is you're going to go over to fabfitfun.com and you're going to use the code SHAMELESS at checkout to get $10 off your first box. So you're going to want to go over there now because the boxes always sell out. They're all seasonal and they sell out every season. So go to fabfitfun.com and use the promo code SHAMELESS at checkout to get $10 off your first box. So that's going to be over $200 worth of products for only $39.99. Okay, so go get yours now. I'm telling you, it's kind of like Christmas when it shows up at the door. It's pretty fun. Vinny gets jealous when I get my FabFitFun box. So there you go. Go get yours. And I'm pretty sure you're going to be just like me, toting your FabFitFun goods all around town, kind of trying to show them off to everyone. Yeah. And all those losses, I think for someone who hasn't been through that, it seems like maybe you would get kind of used to the losses or you'd prepare yourself for that. I think that every single loss is its own huge grieving process though. Huge. So it's not like you get used to it and you're like, oh, it's just another miscarriage. Let's just try again. It's like you have to go through this major grieving process every single time and then be like, okay, am I going to try one more time? Like, do I have it in me to try again? Oh my gosh. Yeah, after that last miscarriage, we decided not to try again. I mean, that was about two, about a year and a half ago. So we decided we weren't going to try again. Like, I can't take it anymore. It's too emotional. My husband was like, I don't want to see you sad anymore. And that's the thing. Like, so the husband or the partner, whether it's a male or a female, right? Because I also have a friend couple, two women, and they went through a miscarriage as well. So the husband or the partner you know, they want to be supportive, but one, they aren't the ones going through the procedure. So they don't even know the emotional, physical drain it is on your body. All they see is the after. And I just remember my husband kept saying, I don't want to see you sad anymore. I don't know how to help you. I don't know what to do. All I can do is love you. And, you know, he loved the hell out of me and it was wonderful. And I remember when our girls passed, One of the things I always prayed, and I don't necessarily go to church, but I do consider myself very spiritual and connected to God, but I don't feel like you need to be in church to have that connection. So one of the things I did pray was, God, please don't let my marriage dissolve because of this. Because I love my husband. He's like one of my best friends. We talk about everything. And I just couldn't imagine doing my life without him. And so one of the things I prayed was, please, God, do not let this mess about our marriage, our union, our connection. And it did it. It made us very strong. And we've actually had like the last three years have actually been really great years for our marriage, even though they've been filled with sadness and pain, but they still have been really good for us together. So we decided not to try again. We were just kind of living our lives. and But mentally, that wasn't what I wanted. It was not what I wanted. Like, what adds to this story is my best friend and I were pregnant at the same time. And so oh, my goddaughter was born in May. watching this baby grow up. Oh my gosh. Talk about heartbreaking and painful. My goddaughter was born in May and Ryan and Morgan were born in June. So literally everything that my goddaughter was doing would compare. Yes. What would my girls be doing now? Oh my gosh. My goddaughter's talking. My girls would probably be talking. And like my best friend and I, we had conversations about like how we were going to be sitting on the porch with our girls and how we were going to do Christmas holidays with our girls. And like, so all of that was just washed away in a matter of three weeks. And it was devastating. Um, But, you know, I can talk about it now. And even back then, you know, I didn't want to be in that space of just always being sad and not experiencing joy. And so I took my sad moments. I took some fun moments. I had some joy. 
And I remember, and I think this is what I was kind of telling you about in the coaching group. Like, I remember people making me feel bad for wanting to have fun or wanting to do things that brought me joy. Mm-hmm. As I said at the beginning, like, I'm a person who my, the thing that makes me happy is making other people happy. And so I went to baby showers, as painful as it was, because I wanted my friends to know that I love them and I still plan to show up for you because I would expect you to do the same thing for me. You know, I organized meetups for mommies who had lost children. I would be on the phone with a mom who was going through a miscarriage, even though I was still going through my grief, because that was the stuff that brought me joy. And so... I just couldn't believe that I really had people who made me feel bad for doing some of those things. And they made me feel bad because they would ask questions like, I can't believe you're doing that. How can you do that? You don't have to do X, Y, Z. You don't have to. And nobody understood when I would say, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And I think that that's such a great point. Grief looks so different for everyone. And for some people, grief looks like connection and engagement and like being part of someone else's joy. Like that's part of your grieving process and part of what lights you up. And for other people, it's like sitting in solitude in a dark room, like mm-hmm. you know, binge watching Netflix. <laughs> what, right. Like, right. like you have to kind of, well, escapes and or processing can look really, really different. And that's just based I mean, that's such an individual thing. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and you could never predict until you're in that situation. And so never. Someone might think, oh, if I had this loss, this is what I'd be doing. But you would have no idea what your like brain chemistry is going to actually lead you to do when you're in that Right. Because actually for me, being alone was actually worse yeah. than being with a group of people. Yeah. I think that would be for me too. Oh my gosh. It was torture. Like, I think your I mind can just go to way worse places when you're by yourself. Yeah. I would have panic attacks and just like, like I remember one time being at home alone, my husband like left, he had to go do something. And like 10 minutes after he left, I was calling people to see who was home from work because I needed to leave the house. I was like, I can't be in here by myself. Like yeah. it was torture. Yeah. And obviously, you know, I did therapy and therapy saved my life, honestly, you know, because in that space, all you feel is pain. And it's just like the therapy was the thing that saved my life. Like therapy, my husband, and again, doing those things that made other people feel good. Like those three things alone saved my life because I didn't want to be here. Yeah. So, you know, we get to this point where, again, you know, we get through the grief. Like, it's still painful. Like, some days are still bad, you know. We buy a house. We celebrate. We've gotten through one, two Christmases. And one day, I just was like, I had a dream that I had a son. And I said, my husband, we should try one more time. And he was like, are you sure? He's like, I don't want you to go through this again. I know how sad it makes you. That, that, that. And I was like, no, I said, I think this is the one. I think you should try again. And we did. So July of 2017. So now we have Hendrix. And like I said, definitely a highlight of our life right now. That's so great. Did you go through IVF then through the whole yes. thing? Yes. This time we went through a full IVF cycle and a very expensive Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. 
Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. So we went through IVF. So how, how old were you when you had them or when you got pregnant? 40, 40. Okay. So that's how old I was when we went through IVF. And the doctor was like, we really think you should go through like three rounds of egg retrievals and all these things. And I was like, oh, hold on. Like, here's how much I'm willing to spend on this. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. We're doing one round because I was like, I'm not spending like my life savings. And I mean, we were in a blessed position that we already had one child, but I mean, it's like, you can just spend endless amounts of money and it's so hard to know where to draw the line and it's yeah so you think you have boundaries around it until you don't get the outcome that you want and then like right. your and then you're willing to like drop the whole bag right. you're, like, you're like no I just moved the money. boundary like the, I, the line <laughs> is completely moved I mean I said forever I would never do IVF like I'm just like I can be fine with what I have and I don't yeah need blah 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 and then when it was like well you're probably your only chance to drive IVF I was like okay well, sign me up let's do it Where yeah do <laughs> yeah you're like here's the whole bag take so it all so here's all the money I'm gonna spend it all yeah right and we actually went to so we used a private reproductive endocrinologist we went to one of the like big I won't name it but we went to one of the big places mm-hmm. and they flat out told me they were like you need to lose 20 pounds we won't use your eggs. So you have to use donor eggs. Um, I mean, they had like all these rules and stipulations and it was going to be, they didn't take insurance and it was going to be like $30,000, something ridiculous. And I was all prepared to like borrow all the money, catch up my 401k. I went to my mother and I was just like, we're doing this. We need it all. And one weekend, my best friend and I, we went away just for like a girl's weekend, just to get away, just for a moment. And I remember like I woke up to go to the bathroom and I'm sitting on the toilet <laughs> and I just had this thought Well, I had had a dream and I had this thought in the dream and thought that the dream kept saying like, you are enough. You don't need it. You don't need it. Don't spend the money. And so I tell her, I was like, I don't think we're supposed to do it this way. So I just kept my little money. <laughs> and what's so crazy is when I called them. So after I had this moment of clarity, I give them a call to talk about next steps. Cause I was like, Oh, that was just a fluke. I'm going to keep going. I gave them a call to talk about next steps. And they were like, no clue who I was. What, they were like, let me pull your chart. And it was just like, eh, that's not the place I want. And so I went back to the place where I had originally been going. And as soon as I called, they were just like, okay, well, let's get started. They didn't go, let me pull your chart. They knew exactly who I was and knew what we'd been through. And all the things and just was like, all right, well, when you're ready to start, just come on in and we'll start. And so that's what we did. And we went back to our original, you know, endocrinologist. And so every time you do a cycle of IVF or IUI or whatever, it's called a treatment plan. And every time you do a treatment, they change something up. And so this time we did like, you know, some different things. And yeah, that's that's. How it worked, and it wasn't as expensive because my insurance paid for some of it. I mean, we still spent a lot of money right. on the procedure and still had to borrow some money. But as you say, you know, when you get in the space of this is what I really want, and this is what I tell people when they ask, it's like, just get the baby. Like, whatever you got to do that you can do, like, don't go rob a bank, but. Right. You know, you're never going to be like, I wish we didn't take out that loan to have our two-year-old who's sitting here. Right. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Like you're always going to be, I'm so glad that we did, you know, I mean, yeah, I I know many people who have done things. They kind of can't believe that they've done to put themselves in a position to, you know, be able to have a baby and the financial impact of that. And 
no one is still feeling the financial impact. Right. And no one is ever like disappointed that they did it, you know? Right. No, we have no disappointment whatsoever. Now our bank account, you know, isn't as stuck, but it doesn't matter because every time we look at him, you know, it was all worth it. It was all worth it. Totally. So tell me, how were you emotionally during your pregnancy with Hendrix? What was that like for you? (laughs) <laughs> some days were good days and some days I was a nervous wreck like when I just when we decided to try again I went to some of my friends and I said this is what we're doing we need your support we need you guys to pray for us every day I started like this private Facebook group because I knew like I couldn't do it by myself and my husband who's really great and awesome like amazing guy but I also knew like I couldn't go to him every day and express how scared I was. Like he wouldn't be able to handle it because he wants to fix it. He wants to make me feel better. And sometimes I just wanted somebody to know I was scared and just let me be scared where he wasn't that person. You know, not taking away anything from him, but just that he loves me and he wants me to be happy. Right. And so, you know, and I took my, this group of girls, they probably were like, I wish he would stop posting it in his Facebook group because I literally posted every <laughs> step of the process. Like, we're getting the egg retrieval today. I'm getting a shot in my butt today. <laughs> I, they probably were like, honestly, I think they didn't care how much I posted, but like, I literally posted every step of the process because, again, I was so nervous and scared about the process and that it wouldn't work. So I just, you had that was a way, yeah, that was a way to make me feel good about going through this again. And then, Kind of the same thing. You you do the egg retrieval and you wait a few days. They put them back in. And I remember the doctor saying, come back in 14 days for your pregnancy test. And by day like eight, nine, maybe 10, I don't know what, how many, I had the symptoms, like the pregnancy symptoms, mm-hmm. sore breasts, nauseous, that, that, that. And so I take the pregnancy test and I put it in the group. I'm like, I know I'm hard-headed. I knew I said I wasn't going to take the test, but I took it anyway. <laughs> I don't think anyone actually waits to go to, for the blood test at their doctor's office. Like everyone's like, can I take it? On oh my gosh. But this time I really planned to wait because I didn't want to be disappointed. Like I didn't want to be disappointed twice. Right, right. So I was like, I'm not going to do it at home because if it's negative, I'll be heartbroken. Yeah. But I had all the symptoms. So I took it. It was positive and I put it in the group and everybody was like, no, this is it. This is it. This is it. And I was like, I feel like this is it. Like, I feel like God is telling me this is the one he's going to survive. He'll be fine. And so daily, like I would wake up every morning. I talked to my stomach. I read Bible verses. I posted in the group. And as we got, you know, further along, I felt better. And then we hit 23 weeks. Mm. And all the emotion of losing my twins came back and I cried for a whole week straight. Oh my gosh. 23 weeks in one day I cried. 23 weeks in two days I cried. And I didn't stop crying until we got to 24 weeks because, you know, all I kept thinking was like, this is the same time that we had Ryan and Morgan and like, what if it happens again? Right. And so I cried, I cried, I cried, I cried. And then we had 24 weeks and I was like, whew, Okay. Because at 24 weeks, everybody said that at 24 weeks, that's when they, um, that's viable. And I was like, okay, so if he comes at 24 weeks, we'll still be in the NICU, but at least I know he's viable, right? Yeah. All right. So then when I get to the point where there are 23 weeks left in the pregnancy, 23 is still like a number that scares me. Mm. Right. And so when I get to the point where there are 23 weeks left in the pregnancy, it happens again. I cry and I cry and I cry. <laughs> Oh my God. And I was just like, okay, but you know, it's going to be fine. And then I guess we hit about 30 weeks of pregnancy. And like, so the whole time that I'm pregnant, my blood pressure never stays normal. Like it goes up and down. It's on the higher end of normal, but at 30 weeks, it starts to go up and it never comes back down. And so now I'm getting nervous and I'm just like, oh gosh, I don't want to deal with anything. And I kept telling my brush when I was just like, the only thing I want is I just don't want to have to go to the NICU. No, that's not even what I said. What I kept telling her was, I don't want to have to be rushed to the emergency room. Mm. Like, I just want to have the baby on a day and no, like, I don't want any additional stress beyond the stress of having a baby. So I was just like, if I can just know where I'm going, when I'm going, what time I'm going, <laughs> like, that's what I wanted. And so I go to a doctor's appointment. At, I think I was 35 weeks and maybe like a day or two, something like that. 
So I go to the doctors and he's like, your blood pressure's high. I don't like it. I want you to go for monitoring. And I kind of knew what he was saying, but I just was like, he doesn't mean we're having a baby today. He just wants me to go for it. He really means what he says, but really what he was saying was like, your blood pressure's so high. I think you're going to have the baby today. But I didn't want to believe that. (laughs) Because again, you know, I didn't want a preemie. I didn't want to be rushed to the hospital. I didn't want my baby to have to go to the NICU again. And, you know, I just didn't want those things again. And so I go to the hospital, which is like 40 minutes from where I am for this doctor's appointment. And so in hindsight, I think he probably just said monitoring because he knew I had far to drive and I was by myself. But I think he knew. Because I get to the hospital, they do the monitoring, and like a few hours later, they come in, they're like, so are you ready to have a baby? And I was just like, no, we're not ready. It's not today. He's not due till July. It's only June. We don't have a car seat in the car. Like, they're all the reasons why we're not ready. No. Right. Don't. And if he's born now, he has to go to the NICU. So we're not ready. Leave me alone. And he's looking at me. He was like, no, we're ready. Like, he's fine. His lungs are fine. Blah, blah, blah. They were like, every time your blood pressure goes up, his heart rate goes down. So we need to deliver him today. I just started crying. And I was just like, no, this can't be happening again. And, you know, just again, just flashbacks to Ryan and Morgan. And um, so we have, we, I call the people, the family, and I'm just like, I'm still trying to convince myself that it's not happening. I tell my friend, my one friend and my mom, like, you don't need to come. It's by the time he's here, this hour will be over. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, about 30 minutes later, my best friend and my mom show up and all the people know and everybody's here. And I'm just like, why is everybody here? But I'm glad everybody came. So, yeah, he's born. and, And then I don't get to see him for... 24 hours 48 hours almost 48 hours I don't get to see my son for almost 48 hours because like so not only did they have to give me a medication for the high blood pressure which I couldn't walk I couldn't get out the bed for 48 hours something crazy so he also is born and then they say to me well we're going to take him to the nursery because of the medication that you're on he has to be checked into the nursery but they will bring him to your room so we're in the room and we're like, where's Hendrix? Where's Hendrix? Why isn't he here yet? And I told my husband, I'm like, call the nursery and figure out where our son is. And they're like, oh, we're going to bring him down soon. We're going to bring him down soon. And then they finally say, we have to take him to the NICU. And again, I lose it. And I'm just like, why does he have to go to the NICU? Well, he was suffering from hypothermia. He couldn't control his body temperature. He was only four pounds a month early. And that was the only thing that was wrong. But in the moment... I'm just, all I can think is my baby has to go to the NICU. Like this is again happening. And so when I finally get to go to the NICU to see him, I almost have a panic attack (laughs) because he's in the like incubator. And it's just like, I just cannot get the memory. back. Yeah. But luckily, you know, my best friend was with me. My husband was there. And I think like they knew. So they went with me. I think my best friend's like, I wasn't going to leave until... (laughs) Because I knew you were fine, you know, and it was hard, but it was just pure joy saying that he was okay and that the only thing besides being small that was wrong with him was just that he needed to control his temperature. Yeah. And again, you know, it's like when you go from trying for, my gosh, almost 15 years to like having the moment where it finally comes to fruition, it's so much joy so overwhelmingly happy and it's just a lot to handle but yeah it's, it's probably like more than you can process in yes that moment yes you can look you can back process. and recognize the power of that moment but when you're in it you can't even see it right exactly yeah that's exactly what it is yep we just have a couple minutes left but i want to know how your journey into motherhood has impacted your professional evolution because i know that you've kind of shifted gears in terms of what you're most passionate about professionally because of what you've experienced in this infertility journey. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, I think mothering is definitely different, right? So mothering children in the NICU is completely different from mothering a child that you get to bring home who's completely healthy, right? It's a completely different dynamic and a completely different way of parenting. And in terms of like what I want to do moving forward, like I just... For a long time, I didn't want to share, like, what happened. Like, I would tell people I didn't hide it, but I didn't make it necessarily 
automatically public. Like people knew, like lots of people know what happened with Ryan and Morgan. And most people know that the company is named after them. But it wasn't anything that I was like the billboard for like, hey, this is what happened. This is how we live. But now that Hendrix is here, is so many people have questioned or asked questions or wanted to know. This is the thing. So I remember when I like first was looking for support groups, right? I went to a meeting and everybody in the room was white. And I just never found groups of women who look like me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there has to be something. And there's nothing. And there may be, and I maybe I just didn't find them, but... I never found a group of women who looked like me that I felt comfortable sharing my story with who could pour into me. I did all the pouring. Like besides like my friends who were like my really close immediate circle, like they poured into me. But in terms of like a group or support group or a team of women or other moms or other people, I never found that. And so that's kind of why I decided to create the group that I created. And it's called Soul Free Mamas because there's still so many people who like reach out to me on Facebook what did you do? How did you do it? How did you handle it? How did you deal with it? I'm going through this now, or I lost a set of twins. And I mean, I'm not a counselor. I don't have the, all the answers. I can only share like what we went through and how we dealt with it and how we deal with it now. And, you know, in hopes that it helps somebody get through what they're going through. Like it's a dark, dark storm. It's lonely. And you feel like you're the only person going through it and you're not you go to the doctor's appointments and it's like 10 women in a room all there for the same reason and nobody says hello and you're all just like sitting <laughs> staring at the wall the, yeah. um, it's the weirdest thing. it's the weirdest thing ever it's like we're all here doing the same thing all right. of us want like babies we're all, in pain. we're all dying inside <laughs> yeah and we won't even we're look at each other like fine <laughs> Yes, it's the weirdest thing ever. And it's just yeah. like, there were t- like my husband always went with me to appointments when he could. It meant he didn't go to every single one. But I remember there was like this one woman one time talked to me and she was saying how she wished she wasn't there by herself. And I was just like, Dad, how awesome would that be if like there were women who were willing to go with other women, yeah. right? So that's something I'd be willing to do. Like I would be willing to go with a woman who had to go. Yeah get treatment because it's crazy like again you're in there with 10 women but you feel like you're by yourself right because right. no one will even say hello like no one's <laughs> <in> contact. <laughs> yeah they were all looking at the floor like don't look at me don't look at me i don't want you to know that i'm seeking help to have a baby right, right. yeah I so love and appreciate that you're sharing your story and that you're connecting other women who are going through the same thing. And I think that there's so much power, you know, sometimes it takes being on the other side of something to look back and really understand and process everything you've been through. Because when you're going through it, you're trying to survive. Mm -hmm. And there is so many women who need the connection that you're looking to provide and they need the support you're looking to provide. And so I know that someone who's been in situations similar to yours and has had a number mm-hmm. of friends in those situations, I know how meaningful that kind of connection can be. So I wanted to thank you for that. And I also wanted to acknowledge you for being such a shameless mom <laughs> and for shamelessly sharing your journey and telling your story. And again, really looking to connect other women who are like you going through the same thing. So I can't, yeah. I can't thank you enough. So I'm going to make sure, tell people where we can find you. And then I'll make sure I link everything in the show notes so that people can find you and connect with your group and everything. Yeah. Right now I'm on Instagram and Facebook as Ryan Morgan Events. And then I also have a private, private, so people won't know who's in the group, a private Facebook group called So Free Mamas, where people can join the group and just get information, hear other stories, share their testimonies, share their stories, and just connect with other women who are going through the same thing. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. And I totally appreciate that, like how bringing joy and connection to other people is such a powerful part of your own grieving process. And that feels really, really good. I, yeah. I relate to that. I know that not everyone relates to that, but I relate to that. Yeah. And I know it's not a group for everybody. Some people yeah. don't want to share and that's okay like but for me I was the person who wanted to share I wish more than anything that I could just go away with other people who were going through the same thing and just have a good time right right (laughs) totally totally oh Courtney thank you so much for this I'm so glad that you get to be here as a shameless mom and tell your story and I love how you are honoring the memory of your daughters and I'm so so excited for you and sweet little Hendrix that you get to thank you together Thank you so much. I really am glad to have been on your podcast. Thanks.
Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be Shameless Mom of the Week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom in Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.